saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Kia ora. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Fill Me In, a Redeemer Church podcast. Formerly the 99th most popular podcast among Kiwis on Spotify. A big shalom to the sons and daughters of Abraham. Welcome to episode 13. Uh, we've got Rob with us today. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. So good to have you on. Would you just be able to kick us off by introducing yourself? Who are you? Yeah, and after I've introduced myself, you will go from the 99th most popular podcast down to about 150th. But anyway, uh, yep, yeah, I'm Rob Stacey. I am 44. Uh, married to Deborah for 24 years. We've got three kids, 17, 15, and 12. Um, I'm the generations pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church. Um, yeah, done about 22 years in ministry. Uh, love golf and travel. There you go. Awesome, man. What What does a generations pastor mean? So, I uh, I lovingly refer to it as middle management in a big church. Okay. <laughs> so I look after. Uh, several staff team members uh, and hopefully help them uh, I guess do do ministry better um, pastorally care for them but also am involved uh, in a number of other areas including teaching ministry in the life of the church cool. uh, and we used to do night service after that with uh, another pastor in the church Monica okay. and uh, anything else the boss decides he wants me to do um, you make it happen general dog's body yeah, of of those years in ministry, you mentioned how many of them have been at Bethlehem Baptist? Just five here. This is my fifth year, and the rest have been in youth-related roles. Oh, um, cool. So in Auckland, part of that, sorry, youth-related roles up until about five years in Auckland, where I spent as a senior pastor at Westgate Baptist out in West Auckland. Cool. Mm. And been in the Bay since then? Bay, five years, yeah. Love it. Nice. Who would want to go back to Auckland? I've only spent like minimal time there studying at Kerry and it was doing block courses and it probably oh, adds go. up to a total of two months. And at that amount, all split up into week chunks, I really loved it. Yep. But I've heard lots of negative things. Exactly. <laughs> hey, um, tell us about uh, the Christian life for you. So obviously the point of this podcast is we're talking to people who are believers. Yep. Um, I like to ask this to every guest that comes on to talk into Rob Stacy of today in 2023 someone would have thrown you you know you're a christian what's that about what is it to you to be a christian sure yeah so the christian life uh for me uh is probably looked at a little bit differently to it from other people i come from a non-christian home Mm. um not yeah like literally all of my family still today uh, are not believers um and not growing up in a christian home coming into a christian environment I think that just uh, sets you on a bit of a different trajectory. Mm. Um, you look and, I guess, encounter church in a different way. Uh, and what I mean by that is you you have no background. You know, there's no, this has always been, this is the tradition. You must act a certain way. And so you, I think you come in questioning everything a lot more. And sure. so as a, as a young guy, I uh, came to know the Lord, uh, at about 14, um, a friend of mine 
who uh, at primary school, get this is how old I am, at primary school we used to sit around and play with the Jedi figures, figurines. Um, yep, I'm that old. As uh, in the original trilogy. The original Jedi, right? figurines. So like all, all two of them. <laughs> oh, no, well, I'll tell you, they were like little G.I. Joes. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Yeah. Uh, but there was, a, there was a lot of them. And so at nine years old, I made a friendship with a guy who had a lot of these figurines. He just so happened to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, didn't know that until about when uh, maybe I was 12 or 13 okay. hanging out at his, at his house with his folks obviously a Christian home sitting around a dinner table which was really unusual for me sure. um, came from a solo mum home uh, and just having these dinners these meals and then just yeah encountering this family environment and wondering what what the heck sort of family is this uh, and eventually he plucked up the courage to invite me along to a church service which was Teatitu Baptist back in the day um, Heath Bridges was the pastor Simon Bridges former minister uh, in the National Party uh, he was uh, his dad oh, right, okay. yeah that was Simon's dad and uh, Simon played drums in the worship team that I joined once upon a time but little little fact there um, but it. then that church went through a split and a group of them including this family that I was hanging out with uh, started this kind of really radically Pentecostal kind of movement. Okay. And uh, I went and I just followed that family because that those that was my connection to church. And uh, it, that was a pretty wild time. Um, one of the things that sort of comes out of that sort of environment is you're, you're thinking about how the church is. This was during the charismatic renewal. Sure. Um, things were going pretty wild. And the way that you think about church is, then put through that lens, you yep. know. So every time you, you gain some understanding about faith or someone gives you their understanding of faith, that kind of colors how you see the world. Right. And so that that was my early years. Um, yeah, and they had a little um, a little church that was in like an old carpet factory. There was like 150 people there. The reason why I kept going was, you know, there was free food and girls, right. you know, like <laughs> as you do as a, as a non-Christian kid. Um, but there was a, yeah, there was this moment, uh, the pastor at the time was preaching. I was there at the back. There's about 200 people in the room and he was giving a gospel message, invited people to respond. I was just compelled. I felt, I felt myself walking down the front before, uh, before I even knew it. And then once I prayed the prayer that he wanted me to pray, I looked around, I was literally the only person standing at the front. And that was like that moment of, my gosh, what am I doing? Right. Um, and a guy came straight up to me at that point. His name's Matt Archer. Okay. And he just gave me this Bible. Yeah. Um, this big, thick, you know, the, back then it would have been 60 or 70 bucks. And, uh, and he wrote in the front of it the date, which was July the 4th, 1993. Uh, and he just said, this will be the most important thing you have in your Christian life. Yeah. And he just handed me this Bible. And I was just looking at it going, it was a leather-bound thing. I was just like, Wow. Um, and, but then he committed to um, basically discipling me and my friend Dave for the next two years, and we'd play hacky sack together. Um, he'd just come around to our house, um, you know, fourteen, fifteen year olds play hacky sack with us and ask us a whole bunch of questions about faith, and uh, we'd be able to reflect mm. back to him. And yeah, he just looked after us. We, there was a youth group that sort of came after that, and so yeah, that was the the infancy of my Christian life. Sure. Um, That's fascinating. Do you yeah. remember what you thought of Christianity, I guess, before, you know, you mentioned, you, you didn't know at first that this friend of yours was Christian. Um, so do you remember sort of what you knew of Jesus or what you thought about Christianity before that? 
Yeah, I guess in my mind uh, then, uh, if I reflect back, it was more Christianity was this bunch of rules, okay. um, a pretty quirky kind of club that got together every weekend and seemed cool because, you know, they had a lot of fun. Um, yeah. There was a there was a way of life uh, that I guess I was drawn to in some ways because come from a, a single mum home yeah. uh, with not a lot of money, uh, this was you know, centered around family, well, as I saw it, was centered around family and that connectedness. And so that was quite fascinating for Mm. me. And that's, yeah, that was the original thing. Do you remember if uh, in that moment where, you know, you you came forward and you were the only guy there in the midst, I guess, of 200 people, do you remember if you had heard uh, the gospel before that or was that the first time you'd heard it? Yeah, that would have been the first time, really. I mean, probably... I um, No, I I would... I'll say that differently. I think I would say that when that happened, mm. that, that moment where I, w- I walked to the front was probably the first time I really listened to the gospel sure. message because during the charismatic renewal and that kind of whole season, they they were preaching gospel messages every week. Sure. You know, uh, it wasn't just your regular let's let's make our way through Genesis. You know, mm. uh, it was gospel message every single week, always asking for a response at the end of the at the end of the service. You know, songs um, backing that up and stuff. So. Um, but that was the first time it really sort of yeah. sunk deep. And, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember the, what the sermon was about. Totally. Most people can't. Um, but it was that moment of epiphany. I was just snapped out of it. You know, it was just like this moment of clarity. And I was just like, mm. I, need, I need to respond to this. Totally. That makes absolute sense to me. How did your family respond when you come home as this, <laughs> this full-blown chrizo? Yeah, of yeah. a charismatic bent, even. I know that was it was pretty wild. Well, I I didn't uh, step right into the whole charismatic thing, <laughs> uh, in terms of my own personal walk. But uh, I came home. My mum didn't really care, to be honest. She was, you know, trying to make ends meet, and she was just like, sure. "Well, I'm just glad you're not on drugs, and you know that uh, that you're not, you know, <laughs> doing what your uncles have done and got into gangs or something yeah. like that." You know, so she was pretty happy about that. Of all she, the things that could have been, this one's all right, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And and then then she was asking questions. When I got to about sixteen or seventeen, she was just kind of wondering why I wasn't bringing girls home and sleeping with them and right. all this kind of stuff. You know, like all the normal, yeah, kind of non-Christian worldview kind of thing. And she was just like, "Okay, this is different." Yeah. Um, but even to this day, you know, like I've I've been a Christian since I was fourteen. My mum knows that I've been going to church every Sunday. It's just one of those things. It's yeah. You know, and this Sunday just passed. It was she still turned up at her house going, "Oh, where's Rob?" You know, like <laughs> Deb had gone home. We were hosting your parents, you know, and it was just my mum turns up like completely oblivious. I've been doing this for years, and she's just like, "Oh, where's Rob?" It's Sunday, you know, like duh. <laughs> so it's the Lord's day. Yeah, hello, yeah. but no, nah, for her it's just. Phew. Yeah, so she she was oblivious to it. My younger brother, I ended up dragging him along. I've got a, a younger blood brother, and I've got two older okay. stepbrothers. Um, and the younger younger brother dragged him along to youth group. Eventually, he gave his life to the Lord as well, but just walked away from faith mm. um, at about 14, 15, and has been away in the most <laughs> obvious sense that sure. you can imagine since. Mm. Sure. It's fascinating what you say, uh, what you said right at the beginning of the conversation coming in about, um, you know, your lack of Christian background means you don't maybe have the same expectations mm. uh, that other Christians might have, depending on how they grew up. You could call yep. it baggage. I don't know if that, 
baggage usually means something negative. I'm not meaning yep. negative, but just expectations. It's fascinating, you know. I, you know, I've grown up in a Christian home, and there's you know certain expectations you have, like, well, this is what it is. Yep. Um, a lot of those I've retained. Yep. A, a lot, you know, a few of them I've sort of I think refined and you know, yep. maybe chucked chucked a few as well. A buddy of mine it was crazy. We were grew up in the same church as me, and we were along at a at a camp where you'd be serving, you know, with, alongside a bunch of youths helping out looking after campers and stuff. And there'd be Christians there from different churches. And he was saying like, it was at that moment where I realized like Christians disagree on some stuff because yeah. he just had no clue, yep. you know? So, 100%. so that's fascinating, man. So how's that been for you? I guess, you know, you, you've been a Christian a little while now navigating the whole space around like, how should I look at stuff and, yep. and what's, what's the, I guess, most fitting or best expression of this? Yeah. That, again, has been shaped over the years. Mm. I mean, obviously, I went through Kerry College, got my degree, did a pastoral leadership diploma. Um, so, obviously, that's quite formational in your theological kind of worldview, breaking that down. Even uh, being a pastor in a Baptist church, you've yep. got everything, uh, especially well, the Baptist Union of New Zealand have got everything from churches that will, uh, at one end, the very liberal end, uh, have practicing gay elders. Sure. To the other end, which, you know, is just so conservative, they don't even involve themselves with things. So even within just the Baptist context, you've got this crazy scale of things. Um, I've always felt a a leaning towards uh, a more, uh, dare I say it, a reformed thinking. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's it's something for me that uh, I'm a big Charles Spurgeon fan like you, and uh, I was chasing down all of his, like he's got a quote in every sermon that I'll I'll write, Um, his thinking, the way that he approached scripture, the fact that he was, you know, preaching at the age of 17 and, Mm. you know, then to thousands of people, like he's influential in my life. And so uh, I've read pretty much every book uh, he's written or someone has written about him. No, nice. I haven't read every sermon, uh, which I'd love to do at some point. I haven't um, read every book, man. So we'll bring our <laughs> bring skills our, together and we'll together. Yeah, start and a I've, think tank. I've bought a lot of his books and, and collect them and that sort of thing. But at an early age, I, I was sort of uh, told that uh, from my own family background that, hey, we're not academics. We, sure. don't, we don't get into that kind of thing. Okay. And, and so I carried that into my teens um, didn't do very well at high school. Sure. Um, never went to university. Actually trained to be a chef, and uh, love that. But felt called out of that into into youth ministry, and so I actually right. did youth ministry for about six or seven years, completely untrained, with right. zero zero theological education. What made you um, want to do that? Oh, it, it, there was that there was that sense of call for me that uh, I was I was the scenario was I was sitting in uh, a restaurant. Uh, prepping for that evening and a bunch of kids walked by and I just felt the Lord speak to me and just mm. say, I want you to work with young people. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Like be a teacher? Like, yeah. you know, I didn't even think about ministry at that point. And literally within that week, uh, the youth pastor at the church I was at, Glen Eden Baptist said to me, would you, would you be interested in working a day a week with us? Cool. And I was just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> um, and so that's where it kind of started and um, did a couple of really basic papers a pastor from that church went to Wellington actually and started uh, this little uh, plant and knew that I was training and said to me, would you and your wife consider moving to Wellington for mm. two days a week? I was just like, yeah, let's go. You know, and had no kids, right. no worries in the world, no house yet, no right. major commitments. I was 22. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so off we went. My wife supported us. And so that's kind of the journey there. But uh, at about, this was about 2000. 
by 2007, I had, you know, quite a quite a sizable youth group at that point, and yeah. it was a good church and it was growing, but just felt like I I the tank was empty. I was like, I can't I can't lead these people with a decent well in my mind decent discipleship. Sure, needed some <laughs> need some groundwork. You needed some base. And um and so headed off to to Kerry. Yeah, I did consider a bunch of different places like okay. Laidlaw and possibly even going over to Hillsong. Oh yeah, praise the Lord. I did not go there, but um, <laughs> uh, I'd be on a very different trajectory today if I'd have gone there. Uh, but sure. yeah, ended up at Kerry, and and did that. Um, How'd you so find your time there? Like, did yeah. you move back to Auckland and do it full time? Yeah, and they they had you know I mean you could just do the degree at that point, sure. or you could add this pastoral leadership diploma content. Okay, and so I was like, you know what, I'll do that as well yep. because I see myself in the future being a part of the church, and um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I had some wildly different people in my year group. Um, yeah, and I think out of the thirteen thirteen of us that entered that year, yeah. Myself and one other are still pastors. Right. So huge attrition rate. But wow. um, I think people at that point thought it was a good thing to do theological education, just not sure that they wanted to go into the church with it, you know. It, sure. was, it was a fascination. But at college, I discovered a passion for education and, and, and right. learning and uh, really, really dug deep into theology you know, first few essays I wrote, I, I'm, I was terrible at English, so okay. you know, don't no chat GPT back then, right? Um, so there was okay, getting C's and C minuses. I was like, dang, this sucks. Um, and one of my lecturers, who became one of my mentors, Laurie Guy, he was just like, oh, yeah. oh, I'll give you, I'll give you a few things here, a few pointers. And by the end, Mike Hubbitts, who was my theological lecturer, was giving me A pluses, which was really nice of him. <laughs> that's great. But that's just because I had a passion for it, yeah. And I, I was told all my life. Actually, you're probably not going to amount to much. Yeah, you know, just just you and you you tell yourself that because you look sure. back on your family, which was pretty broken. Mm. Um, no one re- like no one got past fourth form, right. which was year ten. Yeah, um, today, and you know, so who do you think you are? You know, sure. so I, I left in six or seven form and went and did the chef course. But yeah, so that education element wasn't there, but just found a massive passion for it and just started reading and reading and reading and reading. And the more you read, the more hungry you got to oh, know dude, that's more. Awesome. And then you get to that point, that tipping point where you realize, man, I realize how much I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. So that, that's been my, my interest in my my passion for theology. Yeah. Uh, both of those guys were lecturers of mine as well. And yep. I, I was there doing my undergrad stuff 2015. So yep. eight years after we, yep. when you were there, I look, uh, one of the lecturers, Mike Hubbard's was saying the way he marks an essay is he just starts off, um, basically with a hundred percent. And then he just works through and tries to find things that aren't up to scratch and <laughs> he'll mark it like that. So good on you, He's man. Great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing, thing I loved terrific. about him, and this, this may be just a little <clears throat> side note. He, Anytime you had a question about your paper or just any brutal theological question, he's like, just come to my office mm. and sit down with me. And, you know, he had one of those offices where you couldn't see the walls because they're full of books. And he was the most intellectually sharp guy I've ever sort of sat with. Sure. And any question I had, he just unpacked it just beautifully for yeah. me, logically right down to base theology, mm. right back to Genesis, you know. And yeah. I think that that created an, a deeper hunger for that sort of yeah. stuff. I think that's really inspiring. I like some of the feedback I hear from people who are outside of the fold and the way they will talk about Christians is that uh, we can be 
pretty easy to be offended and don't welcome questions because yep. it's almost well I, I wonder if it's a cover for I actually just don't know the answer and so I'm going to act like you sort of crossed this blasphemous line yep. um, but maybe sometimes it is just being a little sensitive too but I, I think some of the best moments that people have sort of wrestling with this stuff is just talking to people that have really thought it through yep. and are just willing to 100%. you know have the conversation that, that's super cool do you have any particular moments or, or papers or um, particular topics uh, at Kerry that yep. stick out to you as like man that was super I don't yeah. know, inspiring or stuck out to you or anything like that my favorite my favorite paper was uh, spirit and trinity it was a oh, level, yeah. level seven paper so your third year um uh, of your bachelor's degree and there was three particular um uh courses that he put in there one was do a, a theological review of the book the shack uh, oh, yeah. william paul young and um, people were scathing about it and just didn't read it properly and this sort of stuff. And he basically said, I have found seven major theological flaws within this book. Um, can you name them all? And so cool. I was just like, that is a challenge. I'm in, you know, everything from patripassionism to all this. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was just like, let's go. Um, and I actually, I actually made an argument for about three or four more. Um, sure. which I think got me the A. <laughs> nice. Um, but love loved those kind of engage yeah. with this and put your theological mind to this. And then the, It's a great assignment. Yeah, it's a great assignment. And then I had to do, for a final assignment, I had to um, look at the, the filioque um, debate, a thousand-year-old debate between yeah. Eastern and Western totally. churches. And that was, again, just um, Antiochian versus Alexandrian sure. um, theology. And I was just like, whoa, like... The the assignment drew you into theology, yeah. And well, it did for me. Some people would just made them feel sick, but um, for totally. me, it would just deepened my passion and love for it. And um, personal, I guess, growth uh, drove me into that as well. So yeah, those were the top notch for That's me. That's awesome. <laughs> and so you're hearing it here first. Film me an audience. Rob Stacy, does the spirit proceed from the father or the father and the son? Oh, come on. That is <laughs> you, didn't to, you didn't have to wow. go into it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, after I wrote that assignment, um, Mike Hubbitz wrote an epic um, article on this very debate. Oh, right. And, um, yeah, it's... It's out in theological journals, but no one will find it, but that's okay. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Hey, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about, um, I guess, the your gen, the general course of your life yep. since your conversion. Uh, the, a huge blessing for all of us, but I think yep. in particular, uh, people that haven't grown up with Christianity is mm. people that the Lord brings along yeah. uh, in your path. And, you know, sometimes it changes through the different seasons. There's people that you're... You know, hung with and were blessed by in certain periods, and you know, life changes, and there's different people now. Yep. But do you have any key people that you think, man, that was such a blessing, and um, the Lord really used them in my life? Yeah. So I, it might sound a bit cheesy, but I met my wife working at Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers uh, in Tiatu, and we that was when I was 17, and her older sister was there. She was a manager, and she just said, "Hey, you should come to our." come to our church because mm. I was kind of floating with this whole Pentecostal thing mm. I was like oh there's got to be something more to this and uh, I said sure is your sister going to be there <laughs> and so of course I went along to this youth group <laughs> and um, I think getting around Deb my wife and her family uh, they were um, missionaries to Papua New Guinea for you know about eight or ten years and being immersed again in another family environment mm. where faith and Christ were central to everything, uh, and you knew it 
without them saying it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was quite phenomenal for me. So that that that's cool. been a big influence on my faith life. In fact, just the Sunday gone, Deb's dad was there, and I just preached the Sunday gone, and mm. and he he didn't ask me about my sermon. He was telling me about his sermon, so <laughs> which is great. Uh, and then secondly, I I think probably um, Laurie Guy, sure. who mentored me for a, a few years. Um, from college, right out of college, he, you know, incredible um, Christian historian yeah. who, you know, without without a doubt, Baptists just think he's the man. Yeah. And just had this incredible line of questioning to try and develop my thinking mm. and my growth, how he deals with people growing in faith. And I just think that was really formative for mm. me in, in my faith journey. Um, so, so, Laurie, and then probably... Um, being a part of Baptist um, circles within New Zealand, I, mm. I got to um, sit under a, a few leaders and have their influence mm. um, just in, in terms of people and growing with people, but also teaching them what does it mean to truly walk with Christ mm. uh, in, your, in your world. And so um, Charles Hewlett, who's the current national yep. leader, uh, Craig, who's a senior pastor here, I was the chairman of the elder, well, they, it's not elders, but it's, they call it the Assembly Council. Sure. And so it was kind of like elders to the national leader, and I got to be a part of that for about right. six years. It was fantastic. So I see all those things as quite formational in, yeah. in my growth and my faith. Mm. Totally. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Just while we're sort of reflecting over, over the course of your years as a Christian, mm. um, I like to talk with people that come on here about blessings, uh, things that have gone well, and yep. then also regrets. So imagining that you were having a conversation with, you know, in your case, fourteen-year-old you yep. who's freshly converted. Do you have any things in particular that you go, man? I'm glad I worked that out, and that or <laughs> that went really well. Um, you know, if if I were to do it again, I'd make sure I did it that way again. Do you have any particular things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So from the beginning, Matt Matt Archer, the guy that sort of gave me my first Bible, he started me in the right direction. I think he, you know, him saying the Bible is your source document, mm. and when you get into the different environments you find people preach a certain way or you get amongst a small group that think a certain way you know going back to scripture every time for yeah. me has been has been i think the the most formative yeah. um, element and it's you know however someone wants to describe it theologically the you know the foundational document the yeah. the source you know whatever the inerrancy of it um mm. you know that starts to create problems for people but not with for me. me you're all good you're safe <laughs> they uh you know for me that, that that was the best advice i ever got um and that that begun on the first day that i chose to follow christ yeah. someone handed me a bible and said this is the most important thing you'll ever you'll ever read and i opened the bible and on the inside cover and this i've still got this bible at home um it's got these six different um things that he put in the in his cover which cool Obviously, it was his Bible, and he just handed it on to me. But yeah. it was one of those, you know, a new application kind of things, commentaries, yep. and that was helpful. Had all these commentary sections underneath, yeah. which took me deeper and made me think more. Uh, so that that was number one. And then I guess um, one of the most important things I think, uh, yeah, I would say doctrinally, maybe theologically, is mm. understanding that. Uh, they called it the oikonomia or the economy of God. Okay. So understanding that God is what God does, that salvation is is something that he's always pushing towards, you know, like it, people towards. And so that when you have some of those big rocks in the jar theologically, yeah. uh, it helps you to just navigate some of the 
waffly and <laughs> rubbish stuff that's out there. Sure. And at that stage in in my life, I probably didn't understand something about the economy of God until uh, late in my first, uh, what's that, 2005, I started really digging into some theology before I went to Kerry College. And I came across that term, and that was probably the start of my, my journey, actually, into theology, was... What does the economy of God mean? Right. What the heck God is what God does? Go back and read scripture with that lens. Wow. You know, you sure. start. Um, so that was one of the first, and I point to that only because it was the first, but not at that. It's the most important doctrine. <laughs> fascinating. Um, but yeah, that was one of those things that was like, oh, I've got a new lens to read through. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Man, it'd almost be a whole other uh, episode we could do digging into that. that that's cool, man. So yeah. flipping that around, are there particular things where, you yeah. know, regrets, that might be a strong word, some people don't like it, but things that if you could talk to that younger version of yourself, yep. you know, okay, well, these, here's some landmines here, here's some potholes oh, here, time. here's some bullets to dodge. What sort of things would you be talking Any about? Any of them. Um, yeah, the two that come readily to mind, uh, the first one was I was a part of the Pentecostal tradition um, in my early years, and mm-hmm. something that was really formational for them, and they pressed upon us, was the whole prosperity doctrine. Okay, you know, and prosperity doctrine for me is ah, it's just broken. <laughs> sure. I, d- I don't know how to say it nicely. It's just rubbish. Um, and that that was very much infused into everything that they talked about right. giving, and you know, if you just do the right things, God will bless you. Mm. And that's just a bunch of crap, you know, <laughs> like. But I can say that on your podcast. But yeah, totally. We'll chuck an E sticker on it. <laughs> yeah, stick the E sticker. <laughs> um, and for me, that that infused into me, you know, and right. everyth- everywhere I went, I was just like, well, why isn't God blessing this? And why isn't this happening? And right. surely if, if I do the right things and tick all the right boxes, you know, my single mother home will not be as broken as it is, or I will get a job that makes me rich or pays my way, and, mm. it, and it's just not the truth. And so that that then led to the second big, uh, I guess, uh, things that I wanted to reject <laughs> in my life, okay. which was that suffering is a part of the human and Christian experience. Sure, That was... N- when you come out of a Pentecostal or the particular Pentecostal tradition I was in, suffering was not to be a part of it. In fact, you didn't pray hard enough or you hadn't done, you know, done the right traditional jump through this hoop thing. Sure. And, and so whenever suffering came, I just saw it as a curse from God. Right. Rather than just a natural part of human and Christian experience. Sure. Um, and so that's, that, that plagued me right up until, uh, the other side of college, you know, wrestling with the fact that that will be a part of your experience yeah. and actually Christ's presence to us in the midst of that and Christ suffered so you will suffer. Right. I never thought of that. You yeah. know, like Christ I was Christ suffered on our behalf so we didn't have to. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know. So in my mind it's just like, oh wow, okay, there's something more to this and yeah. um in your maturity it's easier to grapple with some of those more I don't want to say abstract, but different ways of thinking, uh, and yeah. so that was that was a, a a noose with a big rock around my leg that was dragging me under, and it coloured everything I thought about mm. um, faith. So, yeah, I'd say those are the two yeah. things that I would say to my younger self. Fascinating. Reject those with how, all strength. How did your mind change on? I mean, on, on some mm. level, that sounds like a superficial question because I think a lot of people when they you know, perhaps more from a reform perspective will sort of um, 
you know, almost mock, um, for lack of a better word, some of those beliefs. And yep. they'll typically go down the road of, well, how do you explain that you're wearing glasses right now? Yep. Was that, but but there, there is truth in that. I, I think that those are fair questions. Yep. Uh, to some level, it is obvious that you're not going to escape the suffering. But yep. what, what do you think it was in particular for you that, you know, helped you see differently in yeah. that area? Um, the first... The first book I was ever encouraged to read in the Bible, when Matt Archie gave me his Bible, he didn't send me to the Gospels, he sent me to Hebrews. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, now I reflect back on that, I'm like, man, that's wild. You know, m- m- like you would normally say, go and read the Gospels, read about Jesus. Yeah. Um, whereas he gave me Hebrews and he said, this is, there is something in here that you need to understand. Yeah. You'll, you'll understand something about Jesus because you understand his superiority. You understand, yeah. And I was just, whoa. And you get to um, Hebrews 11, and yes. right there in Hebrews 11, it's like, faith is this, and faith yeah. is that. But then you get closer to the end, it's going, and by faith, these people all suffered, yeah. died, were sawn in two, da-da-da. And you just go, sorry, am I reading that properly? Yeah. You know. And so I think Hebrews 11 was probably that first place yeah. where I understood actually suffering will yeah. be a part of a number of you know, Christian's experience. For sure. And so I had to wrestle with that. I really did. Yeah. And uh, and obviously it goes into chapter 12, which has this, yes. you know, run run hard after the things yeah. of God um, in the face of totally. all those things. Totally. And uh, so that was the that was the real the real wrestle for me. Yeah, yeah. and I think what's key in, in Hebrews in particular is he's not just bringing that up as trivia. You know, he's no. in chapter 10 talking about these guys who have joyfully right. accepted the yeah. plundering of their property. And he's saying like, look, you're going down the exact road that all these guys have been down before you. Yep. It's key, eh? It's not just like, there's those dudes out there. I heard old Bill Johnson say one time when he was asked, like, where do you fit Job into your yeah. theology? And he goes, well, yep. I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I was just like, oh, come on, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> it's dry. It, it doesn't really address the issue because, as, yep. I mean, I don't think, you know, Hebrews doesn't mention Job, but it mentions no. mentions a lot. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah considering the approach of Christ, greater wealth of the treasures of Egypt, it's, yep. it's huge. It's massive. That's fascinating, man. Yeah, yeah. That's so fascinating. That, that would be the key place where I went to discover more about, you know, suffering yeah and understanding that place of suffering that they they saw things from afar but never never fully experienced the promises of god yeah it was like whoa <laughs> you know? yeah yeah um i think i think that's that's a great place to to begin yeah go to job and yeah. obviously in our maturity now we can we can wrestle through some of those mm. really difficult passages um but Hebrews was a great, great yeah. insight, great place to be sent to totally. your first book. <laughs> totally. It's yeah. a fascinating topic, that one, eh? Like, I think particularly as people are now looking at this topic, it's it's super hot at the moment to be mm. thinking in categories of, um, you know, justice and, and social yep. justice and where, like, even economics and, yep. and things like that. And I, I think it's interesting, like, where I've started to, or like, I guess a category I've started to think in terms of in this as well as, like, yeah, all of that stuff totally. Um, prosperity gospel off. Um, suffering is there in the Christian life, and I think like I embrace that really quickly as a new believer. Mm-hmm. You know, at eighteen, thinking that through and go, oh, yep, okay. So it may well be that short of heaven, my life is pretty difficult, and I yep. could go full John the Baptist, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see all. what happens. We'll keep watching the yep. <laughs> the political scene, um, and I I think maybe there was a sense in which I kind of embraced that as sort of having like a low allowing me to have a low bar in terms of what I wanted to accomplish yep. uh, in life generally. Cause I'm like, ah, wow, it's not even supposed to be that good here. And then I'm, 
I guess I'm sort of swinging back a little bit now going, okay, not prosperity gospel, like of course not, but at the same time, like allowing for a category, like in Proverbs where um, like God does reward faithfulness in a general way for sure. Like, you know, Absolutely. when you talk about the fool who can't get out of bed and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And he's saying like, don't do that, man. Yeah. Um, look at this guy's house, look at his garden. And so like, there's that there as well, but at the same time, we're not in heaven, you know? And yeah. so <laughs> who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. And being thankful for what, 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 place you find yourself in for me it's really easy to be thankful for where i am because i know where i came from sure and and to think where i would be had i not chosen uh to walk with christ Mm. and and make him lord you know i I still look at my family and think wow yeah uh, thank you lord um and to find myself where i am and you know i i don't i never want to say oh that's just the blessing of god it's just like actually i did the things in the ways that I probably should, and I'm where I am. I don't want to say any more than that, you know. Sure. Like I'm thankful for where I am, but I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was my great skill, or you know, sure, that yeah, sort of thing. No, absolutely. Hey, let's talk about a scripture. You've re- you've already brought it up mm. a bit as as so key informational in your way of understanding the faith. Yeah. Can you talk to us a bit about how you incorporate it into your life um, currently? Yeah. Um, apart from the obvious, being a pastor and sure. preaching and that sort of thing, a practice that I've had since the beginning of my faith, which was encouraged me even from Matt Archer days, he he handed me a devotional as well, hmm. which was here is a way in which you can systematically kind of work your way through Scripture. Hmm. Um, some of it you won't understand. I'm here to answer those questions and guide you along the way. And so that became... Uh, almost a ritualistic habit mm. um, rather than a spiritual, you know, uh, pursuit. Sure. And it's become more of a spiritual pursuit, obviously, in, in your later years. I have always used devotionals in terms of helping me to systematically right. move through Scripture because you, you will go to places that you favor. Um, there are the minor prophets you don't want to read, and there are, you know, right. Song of Song. Well, come on. Um, <laughs> let's find, you know, the book of Esther that doesn't mention the name of God. Like, sure. um, cool, cool story, you know, but right. not a big story guy. Uh, well, I don't enjoy stories like other people do. Right. Um, so for me, that, that systematized kind of way of working through Scripture has has really helped me to develop an understanding of, I guess, the the unified nature of Scripture. Sure. So, so even good. now we're we're preaching in in Genesis and how is how is that linked to you know we're looking at the story of Joseph is there any sort of connection to Jesus' story of course there's a whole bunch of things that totally. we could logically put in there um and it, the more you grow those connections across Scripture um yeah just the more impacted you become that this is the Word of God you yeah. know like wow no yeah. one could no one could plan this like no ai no nothing could plan this this is amazing you know and so that for me has only sort of encouraged me to to get more into it um i have a this um devotional that i picked up in an anglican oh, yeah. um retreat center in auckland whoever the resident scholar was had left it there and i picked it up and i've had it for 11 years now right um and it just has this uh, an invocation it has a psalm always has a psalm then it has a reading plan each week cool and then these other reflective readings then a then a benediction and a song like <laughs> and it's i'm a i'm off the scale kind of organized discipline person if you myers-briggs estj you know um whatever 
other thing you follow. <laughs> um, sure. Whatever makes me, <laughs> I don't mind being put in a box because that's just who I am. Sure. Uh, discipline's my number one yeah. in the strength finders. Um, so, you know, I love that rigor, mm. that, that, that systematized kind of way of doing things. And it's been so beneficial to me. But within that, there are readings from, you know, um, Anselm and Ignatius sure. and all these awesome. all these different, you know, patriarchs and matriarchs of, of history. And, you know, that, that again, it just shows a way in which people have embraced what they've read or their understanding of faith and put it into yeah. to other words. So yeah. I'm a big reader and that that cool. that makes it easier to read scripture and <laughs> be Yeah, with it. dude. It's fascinating, eh, when you just think of the context in which you said Christianity's old. Yep. And there've been people for generations meditating on this 100%. stuff, thinking it through. I read Eusebius's History of the Church mm. last year. Well, I should say listen to it. My dad's super uh, picky about people doing things on audio, saying, don't <laughs> say it was reading. Say, sorry, <laughs> for, for those people reading. out there, I listened to it. But yeah, just the first chapter, so he's talking about history, but the yep. first chapter is he's almost doing like a theological history of yep. who is Christ and where's he from and how yep. did this thing all kick off. And so he's just looking at, um, you know, even going into Old Testament scripture, looking at where Christ is and that, and this explanation of, and then the word becomes flesh and all yep. this. And it's, you know, you're sitting here these centuries later going like, dude, that's very similar to what <laughs> I do with scripture. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, it's yep. very, very cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, that, that's, that's really good. So I've asked this to a lot of, uh, well, every guest, I think that's come on mm. here. Spurgeon would ask people who come into the, uh, well, became members at the Met tab. Mm-hmm. He would ask them in addition to, just general churchy questions, mm. he would say, what do you want to accomplish for the Lord? Yeah. So I pose Spurgeon's question to you. What do you want to accomplish for the Lord? Yeah. So I think in my latter years, something that I will give myself to is an element of work that is restorative uh, for people. Mm. So I have been involved uh, in Kolkata, India, um, my youth pastors, when I came to Westgate, my youth pastors left uh, and started a business in Kolkata, India called Law Workshop. It's a leather goods business. And Paul and Sarah, you know, over their time uh, have seen 18 women uh, come out of sexual slavery. Right. And for me, I just see that as just incredible. When you visit, I've been there four or five times sure. to Kolkata. When you visit and you see that, you you see what's what's come of their lives and how two people who just made it their mission for 10 years to start a business, which seems rather innocuous, but uh, intentionally um, breathe Christian ethics and life into yeah. that business. Uh, these women who come out of mostly Hindu backgrounds mm. and Muslim backgrounds, embracing faith and understanding that, um, yeah, that that work can be dignified, yeah, and that the world isn't just a bunch of people out to to rape, kill, pillage, and destroy. Sure. Uh, that that for me is has been profound in my life, and so something for me in in the future. Having come from a pretty broken background, nothing close to what they went through, but yeah. I'd love to to give myself to that in 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 these ladies. Obviously, I'm a I'm a dad with kids in school, and it's, at the moment, it just it doesn't seem right or proper to to be just dumping everything and running off to no. the mission field, no. um, but it is something that I feel is is uh, what I'd like to do, yeah. um, and and to do that well and accomplish. Do we accomplish much without Christ? Uh, I don't know, but uh, and when He gives me the opportunity to, that's something that I'd love to embrace. Yeah, obviously, you got to hold those things in intention with you know what 
what the Lord's given you in terms of your gifting and your yeah. your talent and that sort of thing. But for me, seeing people uh, hu- their humanity restored, mm. uh, that for me is yeah that that drives that motivates me awesome, that gets me man. excited yeah that's so hence I've given myself cool. to their board I've been on yep. their advisory board I've been overseas quite a lot to to those sort of contexts and absolutely love it yeah mm. that's yeah. fascinating what about your your work as a pastor here and and mm. you've been in ministry for a long time yep. what would you like the impact of that to be you know at your funeral let's say ideally and people yep. are saying the impact has been this what yep. things would you hope to be said yeah, I guess um, if I go right back to the start of my story, you know, I want to be a guy who, like Matt, takes the takes the opportunity to point people to Christ. Mm. If again, I I firmly believe that God does a work in people. Um, you know, I'm a I'm an Ephesians one kind of person. <laughs> uh, God's elect, God's um, you know leading leading people who mm. He knows to Him, and but you know to be faithful in doing what He's called me to here. Yeah. I hope that he is able to, you know, or he, of course he's able to um, lead those to himself. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if it's here at BBC um, or anywhere else, just just faithfulness to what he's called me to in that. Awesome. That, that people might come to know him in a deeper and more profound way. That's, that's my hope. Mm. Um, and if I can do other things in the midst of that, you know, which is have a great time, <laughs> yeah. lead people in restorative practices or... Yeah. Um, you know, to, to transform the world for the better, mm. the humanity of people, that dignity of people. That, yeah, that's a uh, that's deep for me. Mm. Yeah, awesome man, that's great. Hey, let's switch it up a little bit. I haven't sent mm. you these ones through. These that's are right. the more rapid fire. Rapid fire. Um, and Ooh. saying that, if you feel like drilling deep and going into it, yep, that's totally fine as well. Um, cool. You're on a deserted island and you can only have five books of the Bible with you. Wow. What ones are you having with you? Wow. Okay. So, uh, Protestant <laughs> canon, by the way. Only six or six books. <laughs> yeah, not the pseudopigrapha. Um, I would say I'm I'm a big N.T. Wright fan, and N.T. Wright would have uh, Romans. I agree with him. Romans is a book that is profound. We've just spent, you know, a couple of months doing a series in Romans. Cool. Uh, so Romans, Hebrews, definitely love Hebrews. I think uh, Revelation sounds crazy, but for me, um. Revelation is a is a book that is a profound mystery to me. Yep. You know, and I read it with I'm not creative in that in that sense. So <laughs> when I read about dragons and things and other, I'm just sitting there like I can't even comprehend. You know, like and and that's what I love about scripture yeah. sometimes. Totally. So you those know, are idealist, be, preterist, futurist, oh, historicist, yeah. historicist. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't place myself in any of those Fair ones, enough, I don't man. think. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that doesn't sound weird, man. You, your three books so far are three of mine, so, yeah, so oh, that's, that's cool. good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so th- those would be three. And then, I'm obviously, if, uh, if I can grab a couple of epistles, uh, I haven't got too many Old Testaments in there. Uh, let's go Old Testament. I should. <laughs> I feel like I should be putting that in just... <laughs> but uh, for me, an Old Testament book that was... Um, very impactful for me was Exodus. I did a okay. uh, did a really long series in Exodus when I was a senior pastor, and yeah, just the whole covenant idea and hmm. law and yep. its its connection to the new new covenant, New Testament stuff. So um, probably Exodus, yeah. And if any of the epistles are Galatians, love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome man. Are you a life verse person? Do you have a life verse? Nah, nah, not cool. really. Fair enough. No, I love I love I love scripture, but not a life verse person. Hmm. Cool man. <laughs> 
But what about Jesus' command to have a life of it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Best thing about being a Christian? Um, wow. So many good things. Uh, at this point in time, I would say community, mm-hmm. deep community with, with a few people. Um, being open, I, I meet with two other pastors, um, Andy and Kelly. We go away four times a year and we just completely open ourselves to each other. And that's accountability, but also yeah. challenging each other theologically. We read a book together. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that, that for me, deep deep community is, mm. is something that yeah, is a great blessing at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Book of the Bible you'd like to understand better? Yeah, well, I think I said Revelation was <laughs> the most pickling and beguiling. Yeah. Um, but I would, I, I want to, we're in Genesis at the moment, and I'm doing a lot of reading for each of my sermons that I do because I understand Genesis the least. Right. And there's so many conflicting opinions about how it's written and why it's written and all this kind of stuff. And so you've got to try and just pull on each of the strands that you go, man, I can, I can reconcile that later in scripture. So yeah, probably Genesis. Cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a great book to <laughs> dabble into more. I think a lot of people don't give it a fair shake in terms of, um, the richness that it has for yep. the Christian life. You just kind of, a lot of people that grow up Christian anyway, just think, Oh yeah, yada, yada. Yeah. It's a nice narrative there, but you just go, no, like, Whoa, man, just, Look at how Paul yep. and Hebrews draw from this man. It's 100%. pretty profound. I probably, I probably, the last sermon I did on Genesis, I, I probably read a thousand pages. Wow. As opposed to what I would do for a, a normal epistle, maybe, maybe an hour or two. Because, you know, we're so steeped in that. Yeah. But Genesis, whew. Yeah. Favorite Christian song? Whoa. Um, Casting Crowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, who Am I? Great song. <laughs> yeah. What a throwback, man. Be, <laughs> hopefully a lot of people loving that. Casting Crowns were the jam. They they're the jam. And and I was at the last parachute festival when they, you know, the voice of truth, all those yeah. classic bangers, and I was just like overwhelmed, like, whoa, you know, just found out the, the lead singer guy had cancer and that sort yeah. of thing. And I'm just going, He's still singing this with Augusto, you totally. know, like oh, let's go casting crowns. Dude, I grew up on well, like my dad jams radio rima that's like pretty much the only music he listens to Screamer. and um so I, I knew all those songs as a kid and i didn't yeah. know the names of any of the artists and then we were at things like parachute 2012 and you had they do all like the super Crizo bands on the yep. sunday night and so i was just sitting down there on the on the lawn with a bunch of friends just like, oh yeah we'll see how it goes and then yep. they come out and start doing those songs like oh casting crowns okay i know all these songs yep. <laughs> yeah they got some good songs man they, they're great casting crowns uh, what was it? Who am I? Who am I? Great song. You've mentioned you're a bit of a reader, and you've you know you mentioned uh, what Spurgeon and N.T. Mm. Wright as as people mm. that you've you've found helpful. Yep. Um, do you have any particular Christian authors, thinkers that you've dabbled uh, dabbled with over the years that have been great uh, yeah. that you've recommended? I'd love to hear yeah who they are and what you like about them. Yeah, I guess um, probably the person who has challenged me next most out of all them is Miroslav Volf. Okay. Miroslav Volf wrote incredible work, um, Exclusion and Embrace. Okay. Um, he's written several amazing books, but that, uh, from a deep, like that guy is a genius and, okay. and a deep theologian and it comes out of the Yugoslav, Croatia um, separation. He was there in the midst of that. You know, like it's, mm. there's this, uh, you can hear some of those things coming through what he writes um, but that that would be up there with one of my top ten books. Um, okay. So Miroslav Volf, and then um, more recently I've been going on a bit of a spiritual formation journey. That's okay. a bit of a 
maybe it's a bit of a trendy thing at the moment. <laughs> and um, Strong Coleman's got a new book out called um, Belong, Behold, and that, that is a fantastic book. Okay. We're actually going to get him to come and speak at our young adults um, in, in, in uh, summertime. Uh, but that spiritual formation journey, John Mark Comer, okay. another great thinker. I uh, don't agree with everything that he, he says, but it, you know he's he's got a depth to his preaching and his writing that sure. is is quite profound. Cool. So yeah, those would be two two at the moment. Yeah, cool man. Tip for Bible reading: Someone's just just mm. picked up the word; they're just mm. getting started. What's your key advice you'd give them as they embark on the journey? Yeah, I think um, especially for Newer Christians, I would say, grab a hold of one of those study Bibles. Yep. ESVs are great. You know, these all of these that have have the commentary section yep. and can help unpack some of the more complex elements. Now, I don't agree with all of it, but sure. they have. You know, at the beginning of each of the um, of each of the letters and each of the books, it'll have an explanation and an overview. Gives you this kind of wide picture. Yeah. I think it's a great way to learn how to read scripture and totally. understand it in connection with everything else. Yeah. Um, so reading those those intros and outros yeah. uh, have been great. They have you know great character studies in sure. them. All of these little little bits and pieces, maps. You know, and people go maps, but I'm going man. I love tracing that's Paul's great. journeys. Yeah, you totally. know, like what is all that? But that's my personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I say find a find a bubble like that, yeah. and then and then again find if if you're if you're wide like me, finding a great devotional that'll systematically lead you through good reading yeah. and help you to yeah make sense of it. Mm. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Wolf's work there. Yep. Do you have a, I mean, I know it's hard, but a favorite Christian book that you, not an author, not a thinker, but just one particular unit, one book that you yep. throw out to the general Christian, say this is the one outside the Bible, you got to read this. Yeah. Uh, I've actually just given this book to someone on our staff team to read because I, I talked about it just this week, but it's written by Henry Nowen, and okay. it, um, it's a story of him sitting in front of uh, the picture by Rembrandt, the parable of the prodigal son. Okay. And uh, he writes this little book called The Homecoming. <laughs> and I read that book on my first visit to Kolkata. And it was profound to read a book like that in the environment that I was in. You know, that, yeah. that these same words mean the same thing to these people in this alleyway below me who are sleeping on a piece of cardboard as it does to the general Christian in New Zealand. Mm. And so that, that that particular book, um, it's called The Homecoming Story, uh, written by Henry J. Nguyen, it, it is, yeah, it's my top five mm. uh, because of the way it impacted me. Yeah, It may not impact everyone else the same <laughs> way. And uh, because I read it where I read it, it probably had an even more profound impact, but that would be... Yeah, in my mm. top five, for sure. Awesome, man. Favorite thing about your church? Oh, BBC. Um, uh, it's a it's a big beast. Um, I, I love our young adults community. There is something um, unique about it. I've been in youth ministry all my life, as you know, and this community just knows how to embrace each other. I think... Um, when I first got here, um, your brother Mike and a few others from Rotorua had come over, and there was a there was a genesis of a new way of being in community together mm. that that they just really leant into, and for me that that connection, you know, they'll 
they'll always give you a hug when you turn up. Cool. Doesn't matter who you are, you're welcomed in, and it created a a, a vibe. Um, that's a bad word, vibe. It created a culture that yeah. that still persists today, and I think I think that's really it's something special about it. Yeah, and um, I've had nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just get to be a part of it. That's and, cool. Man. Um, so that's something I love, and just the consistency of biblical teaching in the life of the church. Um, we're always working through a book. We're always, you know, there's never a week when someone's just talking about some random topic. You know, it's like here's here's the Bible verses we're working through today. Cool. And uh, something I love about it. Cool, man. Mm. Well, this has been another episode of Fill Me In, a Redeemer Church podcast. Drop us a comment. Drop us a five star rating on Spotify if you so desire. Redeemer Church is a Bible teaching church in the center of Tauranga. Our services are 10:30 a.m. on a Sunday. Our website is www.redeemerchurch.org.nz Rob, so good to have you with us today, man. Thanks for having me. Grace and peace to you. Sand is less than a cool fresh spring.